Hey friends, welcome to the Collide Midweek Podcast. These episodes are recorded every Wednesday night at our midweek gathering for those of you who may have missed it or just want to hear it again. We hope that the following episode encourages you to know, grow, and go in your faith. Last week we embarked on this four-week journey called Defining the Relationship, a series on love and dating. Because here's what we know is that this is something that's on your mind and it's something that this is a season, especially during this season of your life in high school, is something that you're hearing about, that you're thinking about, okay? And that's natural and it's good, right? But we talked last week about if we get the first part of love wrong, if we don't understand what agape love is, well, then it's like me wearing a button down. If I get that top button wrong and then I button the rest of them, nothing else works, you know, when, when in the Old Testament, when, you know, the, the, in Deuteronomy and then in Leviticus, it talks about how, you know, this Shema, they read that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then in Leviticus, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then it gets to the New Testament with Jesus, right? God in the flesh. And they try to trap him. 613 Old Testament laws. Which one, Jesus, is the most important? I'll do better than that. I'll give you two. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Like the video said, it's yes. You love God. This vertical love has to be first. And when you get that right, you, you understand what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. But in this series, each week is going to kind of build on each other. But last week, we talked about how if you don't understand that type of love, is you're going to hear some of my story tonight. You heard a little bit about my story last week is that it sends your life on such a different course because you begin to look for love in all the wrong places when you don't have what? The agape love of God written on your heart. But we started with this phrase, DTR, right? Define the relationship. There was a book years ago that kind of shaped my early life and my Christian years when I was, um, man, just came back to faith. And it was a book called Not a Fan, We've got some on the table. We bought some for you guys. If anybody wants one, make sure that you get one tonight. But it talks about how, in this book, the author talks about how you're either a fan of Jesus or a follower. And defining the relationship comes to a point where you need to make a decision. If that's true, if the God of the universe sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you and for me, it demands a response. So there comes a point in time in life where you define the relationship. And I told you the story about Tracy and I dating and we had dated for five years and I took this job and I thought it was going to be amazing. And I got down to Shalote, North Carolina and I was miserable. Why? Because it was DTR time in our life, in our relationship. If I was just going to continue to date Tracy, it was what? We were really just dating to break up. So I needed to define the relationship and I came home and I came to my senses and I got on my knees and I asked her to marry me and here she is, here we are, 25 years later. I love you, babe, she's still with me. I don't know why, I look around. But where is she also on a Wednesday night? Pouring that same agape love into you and her small group girls because that kind of love changed us. It changed our relationship. I had to define the relationship with Tracy to make her my bride but also, you're going to hear in my story tonight, is she began to call something out in me and God began to shake some things up in my life where I needed to answer the question, did I know about Jesus? Was I a fan? Was I cheering from the sidelines with the jersey on or the bumper sticker or the bracelet? 
Or was I really loyal and committed? Was I following him with my life? So we talked about what that looks like. We, man, we unpacked agape love. And then I told you, the Bible doesn't speak specifically about dating, but it talks a lot about love and a lot about relationships. But if you and I don't get that first part right, everything else is not going to make sense. So we unpacked that. And I, man, I heard from your small group leaders, what a great conversation you guys had last week. And I'm proud of you guys. Look what we have tonight. Last Wednesday night was the largest attendance we've had in years. 130 high school students and we had to go get more chairs for tonight thank you you might hear dating and relationship and go you know what i don't need to hear about that i don't want to hear about that i'm good kind of figuring this out on my own but you lean in and you go you know what something inside of me wants to know what god says about this if he made me and he did and he what he stamped that love on your heart you want to know about that love and you look around and where are we we're in a room full of other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. God places us in relationships. And then one of those that you might enter into in your high school or college years is a dating relationship. But we got to kind of the first kind of steps of dating last week. And we said this, right? Stop looking for the one and start becoming the one. What does that mean? No one person is going to complete you. No one person is going to make you what? You can't just try to be a better version of yourself. There's only one that can what? Stamp that love on your heart. And just like it says, you want to become the one that what? That someone would want to marry one day. Guys, here's what the statistics tell us. Is that it's about 90% of high school and college students want to get married one day. Does that mean everybody will marry? No. But if that's what the statistics tell us, that 90% of high school and college students desire to get married one day, to live their life with one person all of their days, what does that mean? Well, then we need to know what that means like to become the one that someone would want to marry one day. Man, those last three words are loaded, aren't they? Amazing to think about that God, through his word through the things that he calls you to do and the personality and the gifts and the talents and everything that he's given you would allow you to become the one that someone would want to spend their life with. And then like I told you last week, is my life got a lot better when I married Tracy because she reflects the glory of Jesus to me in my life. And now our ministry doubles through marriage. And you see where we are together on a Wednesday night is pouring into teenagers that I love so that you get this right. No person is going to what? No person can give you that agape love. We get glimpses of God's love on this side of heaven, and it's beautiful. But like I said, you remember how I showed you my Tom Brady jersey last week? Is when I go to a game, I'm really just a fan of the Patriots. No one on that field died for my sins. Only one man did, and his name is Jesus. And when he writes that kind of love on your heart, you start becoming the one that someone would want to marry one day. And when you look at that, you go, you know, what does that look like in my life? Is You don't have to wait until your early 20s. You can start becoming that person now, but it takes discipline and it takes what? It takes time in the word and it takes thought and it takes study and you've got incredible small group leaders that are here to help you, but it takes what? We know that you're gonna leave out the doors tonight and you go and it's a personal relationship with your creator. Do you want this? You have to want this. You have to want this real love. And here was our theme verse for last week, 1 John 4. This is real love. Not what the world says, not what a movie says. This is real love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God, so lo since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Let's pray as we jump into week two. Father, we need you. We love you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for that agape love. It's beautiful. It changed my life forever. When I came to my senses, I ran back to that love because that's what my heart ultimately desired. There was a void in my life, in all the relationships in my life because I was missing that one with you. And when I came home, you welcomed me back with loving arms. Father, would you speak to every heart in here tonight? Maybe there's some that are dating. Maybe that's somebody that they haven't even thought about it yet. Maybe there's some that just came out of a hard relationship. Maybe there's some that say, you know what? I'm not ready for that. I'm not spiritually mature. And, or in, in my house, we've already made this decision that this is, we're gonna wait. God, I pray you speak to every heart. You have a word for them tonight. God, eliminate me from the equation. God, I want them to hear from you and how much you love them. But also as we talk about relationships tonight, as we kind of keep building on this in dating relationships, would you speak specifically to each heart and remind them how much you love them? As we think about this month of February, Valentine's, the love month, God, would our hearts forever be changed by that agape love, what happened on a cross over 2,000 years ago, be changed forever, and that love be written on our hearts because then it changes every relationship in our life. Father, speak tonight. Eliminate me from the equation. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. August the 18th, 1975, I was born the middle of three boys to Richard and Susan Bedard in Springfield, Massachusetts. Now, when you're a kid, you guys know this, man. If you are a mama's boy like I was, is your first love, my first love was my mom. I just remember just always wanting to be around mom. Mom was always there. Mom always provided. Mom just, there was this different thing. Like my parents tried to have um, other children. They tried to have girls. They couldn't. God bless them with three boys. We won't get to the middle child thing. If you're the middle child, you know, you guys know all about that. Hand-me-downs and never got first room choice and all of those different things. You know what I'm talking about if you've been there. But there's something different about being a mama's boy. The mom's love that's written on your heart. And I remember, check this out. When I was a little kid, here's a picture of me. Can you guess which one is KB? <laughs> Don't laugh at my striped tank top there. Got the guns out at an early age. Here's what's funny about this is, like, obviously we're at a zoo or something, and, like, KB's about to get mauled by some bobcat in the background, and my dad says, smile for the picture, right? Like, I don't know what's going on here, but obviously it's not going to be good. But this is a picture of myself, my little brother Drew, and my older brother Greg, and my mom, Susan. Man, I love my mom. I talk to her every week, and she loves you, and, and she prays for you, and she's so thankful for what's going on here in Collide. Hey, Ryan, love you, buddy. But what's going on here in this picture? I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. <laughs> That's okay, buddy. But what you don't see in this picture is a mom from an early age. My mom worked a full-time job. She had a career, went to college. And all of a sudden, mom was just home all the time. Mom was home every day after school. Mom was there every morning. And, you know, there's so many incredible moms in here that, that work full-time jobs. And, man, if that's... That's a beautiful season. 
But for some, I know that they stay home with their children. That's a beautiful season too. But this love was written on my heart by God at an early age because mom was always there taking me to church, taking me to soccer, football, baseball, all those different things. The love of a mother for their child is just so different. But here's the thing is KB didn't stay that age, right? I grew up and then I remember we moved to Florida Sixth grade year at Loggers Run Middle School, in the back corner of this math class, my eyes met this young girl named Jamie Johnson. First time, like, you know that, guys, you know that feeling. Like, the first time something kind of happens in you, like you notice a girl for the first time, and you're like, okay, that feels different inside of me, right? And I remember, like, writing her a note, you know, and doing all that different stuff, and like, you know, will you be mine? And there's probably some cheesy Valentine's thing in there, all that stuff, all right? But I remember at some point, like it moved to the point where I asked my parents to go take me to buy her like this little locket. And like I bought her this locket. I'm in sixth grade, right? Don't laugh. You've been there. So I buy her this locket and she receives it. But like by seventh grade year, (laughs) Jamie wasn't in my life anymore. So I don't know what happened. She kicked KB to the curb or something, right? But you see how like in the human heart, there's this longing for relationship and love. And then right after that, that moves to high school and we move to Boston. And then shortly after, God bless you, shortly after we move to Boston, when your heart is not right with God, guys, remember this, your heart searches for it in other people. And I started dating this young lady at Lincoln Suburb Regional High School in Boston, Massachusetts. And we dated all throughout high school. And then you know my story. I came down to Greensboro, North Carolina to to play college baseball. She was a year behind me. She was a junior when I graduated. So we tried the long distance thing and it lasted about six months when I was playing ball in college. And it was just, man, that was hard. But it was like this time in my life where like another DTR moment, like, is this the woman that I'm going to marry? And it was obviously no, all of this was pointing to, to Tracy one day. But like, I remember stopped there on this campus in Greensboro, North Carolina, and my heart going, well, I long to be with someone again. It didn't stop in middle school. It didn't stop in high school. It made its way to college. And then I dated this young lady in college for about three years. Guys, I want to be real and transparent with you because I want you to know some things that have affected my heart over the years. And some of you guys that know me closely know this story. I went off to play college baseball. I loved, um, I mean, I said I loved this young lady. We were close, knew her family. She knew my family. I went off to play college baseball one summer in Iowa and came back and found out that she had been unfaithful to me. And this was, man, this landed on my heart in a way like I had never felt before. Just like the betrayal and the lack of trust and all that. And man, I, I hit rock bottom. This sent me spiraling in life to, a, to a, a depth of darkness that I had never gone to before. But it was just another sign on the road pointing to, I need a king of my heart. I keep looking for it in these young ladies. And guess what? I didn't have it with Jesus So if you don't have that first love, you're going to begin to look for it in all these other places. But we think about this, and you think about this in Scripture. It's like, where does this come from? It starts from the earliest pages of Scripture, right in Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. God creates this amazing week, and then he makes something that's completely different, right? Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person, Adam. The word Adam means human, right? This is like God breathed. God puts life into him. And guys, you you need to hear this first tonight. Is like 
the one who breathes life into you and gives you life, that's the one you get your identity from. No other person is going to fill that void in your life. You have to get it from your creator. But you see this right from the get-go is God breathes life into him. And it's what? It becomes a living soul. This is a person with what? Man, a heart and a soul and just beautiful personality and all this. You see it right from the beginning. And then just a few verses later in verse 15, look on your outline. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. You guys, you see this. God says it right there. It's not good for man to be alone. He's wired us for relationships. Look what happens. So the Lord God formed from the ground of the, all the, the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what we, he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. When the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Guys, you see this. The creation, the beautiful perfection of this. Man and woman with God. You see that? It's not good for man to be alone. Write this down. Guys, we need relationships. You see this right from the earliest pages of Scripture. We need relationships. Man, we long for love and acceptance. We want to be needed and valued. Guys, we... I'm so thankful for you, Ryan. I love you, buddy. Yes. Guys, you think about this, right? Yes, we love you, Ryan. And you guys see, you guys see the love of God that God has placed in Ryan's heart. And when he comes here on Wednesday nights, he comes alive because of the love that he feels in this place. But guys, you think about this, is we need relationships. It's the way that we're wired to love God and to love others. This is the air that we breathe. There's something different about the humans, right? The, 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 all the animals and all that different stuff. But these humans, you and I are made in the Imago Dei, which is what? The image of God. And it says in Genesis that let us make mankind in our image. You see the beautiful picture of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you and I are image bearers. And what? You see the Trinity in relationship and you see how we long for it in our life. Man, we want to communicate. We want acceptance. We want to be what? We want to be honest. We want to feel love. We want to be free. It's the way that you and I are made. We're hardwired for relationships. But here's the thing. As we're going to find out in just a few verses later, write this down. As relationships are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Adam and Eve with God, naked, felt no shame, perfect union with the Father, right? But we're going to see just a few verses later is that, man, when something bad happens, when you begin to feel rejection and hurt and you're misunderstood and you feel like you're manipulated, 
right? Then these, these feelings of jealousy and anger and right, pointing fingers and right, unrealistic expectations. Relationships are complicated and you guys know that. They're hard. Let's see what happens in Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the, from the fruit from any tree, the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open. Boom, here's where sin enters the world. Disobedience. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Guys, this isn't on your outline, but it's going to be on the screen, is that relationships can get messy because you have an enemy. You have an enemy who hates you. You see it from the beginning of the pages of Scripture. Is that what? Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He doesn't want any of your relationships on this side of heaven to be healthy. He doesn't want my marriage to work. He doesn't want you guys to want to come to Collide to see your friends. He doesn't want what? You to have best friends and have incredible relationships. He wants to get you as far away from God so that you question his love. And then what? Maybe you hide. Maybe you isolate and you get away from other people. But relationships get messy because you and I have an enemy and you have to know that. So what do we do about this? Guys, these messes happen. Write these down. Messes happen when relationships push us away from God. Guys, you need to take an inventory of your life. And these messes in your life, they happen when they push you away from God. We talked a little bit about it last week, right? But if you're in a dating relationship with somebody and they're not pointing you to God, you need to have one of those DTR talks. You need to pump the brakes and go, I was created by God for relationship with him first. And if this person is asking me to do things or they, they, they don't like when I come to church or they, they, they don't want to study the scriptures or they, they're just against God and all of that. Guys, this is where things get messy is when they what? When they pull us away from our relationship with God. Remember, everything was perfect for Adam and Eve and then they believe this lie and it pulls. Remember, the first lie is what? Did God really say that just to doubt the word of God, the voice of God, the love of God? And here's another way that messes happen in our relationships. They happen when relationships become God. We can make relationships an idol in our life and they can become like God to us. You remember from our series back when we started the first of the year in Exodus chapter 20? You remember? The first commandment, right? You must not have any other God but me. God is a jealous God. He wants all of you. He wants your heart. Now, I know when you hear that word jealous, right, in God, that should make you do something in you like, his love is made and stamped on your heart. It's just for you and he loves you. But like he doesn't want to share that love with anybody else. He has to be first. And when he's got your heart, right, man, it changes everything. Back to my story. 
God brought Tracy into my life in a beautiful season where I was searching for meaning and significance. And it was a beautiful season because it was the end of my college career. Nobody called. Remember, you've heard that story. Injuries, no, no major league baseball call, all of that. And you begin, like your identity's wrapped up in that. Baseball was my idol. And God brings Tracy into my life at this beautiful season through a friend of a friend, right? The sovereignty and providence of God. And I remember we were out one time and I was out with some of my buddies from college and Tracy was with us maybe for one of the first times. And here I was trying to be cool guy, right? The life of the party, the funny guy. I wanted everybody to like me based on all of these things that I thought that these things were going to receive love from these people if they like me enough. And I remember on the car ride home, Tracy looked and it was like a knife in my stomach. It was like a punch in my gut. She said, why do you act that one way around them and one way around me? Kevin, be who God called you to be. She began to call this out in me, this love of God that I had never heard before. Man, I went home and did some soul searching, but there was something inside of me. It's like all of these relationships in my life had pulled me away from God, right? They, they, I made them gods. They were an idol in my life. Baseball was an idol in my life. And I had to what? I had to come to grips with that first love. And then through Tracy and a series of events, man, different things and all, God began to shake up my life. And Jesus became Lord. He became Lord of everything. And we started our relationship when we said, this is going to be the foundation of our relationship, our marriage, when we have children, if we can have children. Guys, and I look out and I see my 18-year-old son in here tonight serving, my 15-year-old daughter studying and writing verses down. And man, and I see my wife in the back and I just go, thank you, God. You changed my life forever when you wrote that love on my heart. Guys, I want that same love for you too. But when these relationships become your God or they pull you away from God, God says, I'm jealous for you, all right? And here's the thing where kind of where we're going tonight before we go to small group is this, is that dating becomes dangerous, write this down, dating becomes dangerous without direction. Dating becomes dangerous without direction. Remember we told you guys last week is that, man, Christian dating done right is preparation for marriage. I was doing wedding, I was doing premarital counseling yesterday with a couple, beautiful young couple in this church. And man, we were talking about these things. And we were talking about how when this, the, the chapter we're reading in the book was about problem solving and how what? Relationships can be messy. But when you have Jesus at the center, you what? You work through those things and you get back to the cross and you get back to the Imago Dei and you get back to the love of God. But guys discipleship and relationships are always moving in a direction so if you're dating in here tonight remember hear what i told you last week i love you i love you i love you i am for you i'm not saying not to date remember these are these are conversations you need to have in your home with your parents but i am one of your pastors and i will teach you what the word of god says and it starts with that love of God. But next level is what? Relationships where you see, why does that, why do I keep arguing? Why does it get messy? Why does that? Because what? You have, you have an enemy and you have to have a Lord over your life. But what happens? Guys, dating becomes dangerous without direction. Which way is it moving? Are you both pursuing Jesus? Are you both pursuing your relationship with God? And when you think about this, guys, Guys, the easiest way to protect yourself from heartbreak is to wait to date until you're ready. 
Can I be honest? Some of you are not ready to date. There's a, there's, a, there's a rule and a standard in our home that we have with Matthew and Mallory, and we have these conversations. Why? It's like, guys, it's like we talked about before, like God in the playing field, and we'll get to dating and, right, and, and, and sex eventually in this series. But when you think about it, like God's not withholding anything good for you. He created sex. It's beautiful. But he gave you the playing field for it. And he says, if you trust me, right, it's going to be beautiful. But when you think about this, that if your dating is just a date for popularity or status or all those different things, is guys, this is just going to, it's not going to fill you up, right? Our big idea, I think I missed it at the beginning, maybe Karen can go back to it, is this, unless I'm wholeheartedly pursuing a relationship with Christ, all other relationships will be a hopeless attempt to fill that void. Guys, unless you're pursuing this, all of those other relationships are going to be what? A helpless, right? Just a hopeless way to fill that void. That void is meant for God first. And when you date without direction, guys, it's dangerous. Don't just date because most of your friends are doing it. Don't just date because, man, it seems like the cool thing to do. Remember the lies I told you last week? KB, captain of the football team in high school, you need to have a girlfriend. No, that's a lie. KB, Division I athlete, you need to have a girlfriend on campus. No, that's a lie. KB needs a savior. He needs a Lord of his heart. Guys, if you're not there and you're dating, guys, all I would ask is that you be careful and you what? You search in your heart. Remember last week, look in the mirror and go, am I mature enough to be dating right now? Am I having these conversations with my parents at home? Am I talking to the Lord? Am I in the scriptures? Guys, here's three big dangers of dating that when you're not ready. Three dangers of dating when you're not ready. Number one is you compromise. Guys, this is a huge danger of dating when you're not ready. You compromise. Why? Because you have an enemy who hates you. Guys, the quickest way to end up with the wrong person is to rush. Wait until you know about the person before pursuing a relationship. Have you begun to ask those questions, right? Do they love Jesus? Man, what do they believe about God and faith, right? How do they treat other people? Are they kind? Are they, are, are, are they, right? are they selfish? Are they always thinking about themselves? What's always on their mind? How's their language? How's their walk? Guys, you need to ask these questions because what? They protect you from heartbreak. Especially study, guys, how they treat you in terms of physical boundaries, if you're dating somebody, guys, do they try to push the boundaries physically with you? Okay. God set up these beautiful boundaries for a reason, not withholding something, but because he loves you. Guys, he wants to protect you. The second thing is the danger of dating is this, is you become demanding. You compromise and you become demanding. Guys, unhealthy relationships just don't demand unrealistic expectations of each other, okay? It's not your girlfriend or your boyfriend's job to complete you to make you happy, right? It's not their job to make you feel, right, um, to, to ever feel lonely. You can't expect someone else to meet all of your needs, especially your emotional needs. Why? Because that's, they're not here for that. Remember, we, I told you that about Tracy and I last week. It's like, I love my wife more than anything in the world, but Tracy cannot be my savior and I cannot be hers. Guys, can I fill you in on something real quick? 
Guys, lean in, okay? She doesn't love you for your car or your truck. She doesn't love you for your bank account. She doesn't love you for, right, posting pictures of you working out. She doesn't love you for how many followers you have. Look at me, guys. You know what's the most attractive thing to a young lady? A young man who follows Jesus. Praise be to God. And you know what's the most attractive thing, right? For a guy, for a young female, it better be this, guys. Girls, you making your list? Guys, you making your list? He better love Jesus at the top, right? You know what's the most beautiful thing? Is when I walk in my bedroom and my wife is on the bed with her Bible open taking notes. And praise be to God. She's a great mom. She's a great wife. She's a great nurse. But she is first and foremost a child of King Jesus. And the more that she fills up with Jesus, she's a better mom. She's better relationally. You ask her, she'll tell you. You ask your leaders when you go to group tonight. Guys, a woman wants a young man who's going to lead her and lead her to Jesus. I tell all of my couples when I counsel them for marriage, look at me. It's, a, it's a two sides of the same coin. That your wife needs you to be and your children need you to be when you get there one day need you to be, right, the loving leader of their home and the leading lover. You see how it's flipped around? Tracy, Matthew, and Mallory flourish when I what? Lead them as the godly leader God has called me to be, as the loving leader, sacrificial, washing feet, loving them, serving them, being unselfish, being humble and kind. And then you turn it around as what? Tracy and Matthew and Mallory and now you as what? My students that I love, you're like my children too, is what Tracy and Matthew and Mallory should never have to wonder, I love you, buddy. Are you a counselor? They should never, look at me, they should never have to wonder what love looks like, the agape love of God on this side of heaven. They better get it from me first. Because if my 15-year-old daughter that I adore and love, if she doesn't get it from dad, guess what? she might begin to look for it other places and I want her to what? I want her to love Jesus with all her heart. And then at the right time, God's gonna bring a Jesus-loving young man right up next to her when the time's right. But if we get that wrong, guys, that's the standard God has called you to. And if you date too early, you compromise, you become demanding, and then you do this, is you become dissatisfied. You become dissatisfied. When something goes wrong in the relationship, this person that you're dating, guys, they're not going to fix your loneliness. You have to enjoy the presence of God first. Relationships won't make you feel less broken, right? You discover healing and restoration in Jesus first. Dating is not going to take away your problems. No person can fix you. It'll only distract you from those problems and then they'll come back. Guys, eventually, the pain is going to reappear. Guys, present your pain to Jesus. He loves you with an agape, jealous love like no one could ever give you. As we end, guys, there's this beautiful prayer in Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 1 that the Apostle Paul prays. And I just was thinking about you guys this week, and I love this prayer, and I just think, man... What do I want my students to know about the love of God? And I was reading this and I just go, man, read this on the screen. I pray that your love will overflow more and more 
and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters, guys. Get this first. This is what matters, the love of God, the agape love, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. When you get this love right, man, you want to live holy and separate and set apart. You want to date different. You want to be a best friend differently. You want to be a son and a daughter differently. When this love is written on your heart, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Guys, remember what God did when he saved you. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. When he changes you, your 2 Corinthians 5, a new creation, a new person. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Guys, the gospel screams at you that what? Man, God loves you. He sees you. He chose you. You are not alone. You are valuable. And he is the one who defines your value, not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's where you get your value from, right there. The gospel, whatever lie that Satan tries to lie into your life about, if you need a dating relationship or this or that, guys, you go back to square one. You go back to the gospel. Do I really believe this? God loves me, God sees me, God has a great plan for my life, right? That I'm valuable, that he gave up his son for me. Guys, I wanna leave you with this question tonight as you go to group. This demands obedience in your life. To love like this, to do relationships differently, to obey God and trust him. Here's my question for you, is who's on the other side of your obedience? Guys, guess what? When I came back to this agape love of Jesus, guess who was on the other side of disobedience in my life? Tracy, Matthew, and Mallory. We weren't engaged yet. I didn't even think about having children yet. But right, when what? When this became my love, who's on the other side of my obedience? My wife and my children. Guys, remember, are you becoming the one that somebody would want to marry? Who's on the other side of your obedience if you choose to do dating and relationships differently? Is your future spouse, your future children, future relationships in your life? Man, that's a hard question to think about, but it's beautiful. I can't wait for you to go to small group and talk about this. Because guys, when you have these conversations as a teenager, it changes everything. It changes the way that you look at dating and relationships. Who's on the other side of your obedience? The obedience to the call to love God and do relationships differently. Guys, unless you're wholeheartedly pursuing a personal relationship with Jesus, no relationship in your life is gonna fill that void. You got two resources that you're gonna get tonight. We have... Um, this God's Word on Love devotional for you guys that you're going to get in your small group. We have physical copies and you have the digital copy your leader will send you. And it's in um, the version um, notes from your message tonight that Sarah Tuck puts in there for you every single week. Thank you, Sarah. You have a devotional on God's love. Okay, You're going to fill out this form in your small groups tonight if you want to do it. Um, written down for our dating panel on dating and relationship panel on the 22nd. You can do it digitally. Um, you saw the um, QR code. And since Valentine's is going to fall before I see you again, we gave you all a gift. All right? Did you get your bracelet tonight when you came in? On your seat. If you don't like the color, trade with somebody. But guys, what does this say? Jesus loves you. That's the love that's written on your heart. You take this with you. 
right? One of my students sent me this last night, and I love this. I'll leave you with this. Listen, listen, okay? On Valentine's Day, right? I don't want you to remember 214. Kendall Swisher sent me this last night, this beautiful devotion, this picture. Don't remember February 14th. Remember John 316. That's the Valentine's love that God wants to write on your heart. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us with that kind of love. God, would you take this now and just, your word is beautiful. Relationships are beautiful. They're hard. They can be messy. But you want us to love you and then love our neighbor as ourself. And God, we think about dating and some are there, some are not, and some are thinking about it. But God, I pray that they would each have this first conversation with you, conversation with mom and dad at home to think about this, but are they ready? How are they doing with their vertical relationship with you? How are they doing loving the other people in their life? God, we need you. We can't do this alone. The beautiful thing is that you don't leave us alone when we become your child. You place your spirit in us and you help us and then the fruit of that comes out in those relationships. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God, we want to do relationships differently. We want to do them your way. We want to date differently. Christian dating is preparation for marriage. We want to become the one that you would call us to be for that person to live in beautiful covenant love if you call us to that for the rest of our days so that others will see your love on display through us. And God, I pray the students ask that question tonight as they go to group. Would that maybe thing ring around in their head? Who's on the other side of my obedience? The obedience to love God and to what? Be about his word, be about his work, filling myself, trying to be what, not trying, but just receiving that love and then just spiritual disciplines and building that character and serving you and loving you and all that different stuff. Is man, we want to become that one that someone would want to marry one day, but it starts when we get love right. Jesus, we know you love us. We look to a cross and we see it. Father, would you speak now through our small group leaders? Thank you for an incredible night. In Christ's name we pray, amen.